Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to The Clay Project. I'm your host as usual, Ebony Fair, and today... Ooh la la, I've got my parents here. Hi, parents. (laughs) (laughs) I've got my parents here, and they're going to be sharing their Clay story. Clay stories. It should be juicy. Mm. It should be very interesting. (laughs) And hopefully I find out things that even I don't know. We'll see. I'm not sure. Is there anything? TVC. Okay, so, hi mom, hi dad. Hi Hello. Dear. How are you feeling? Great. I'm good. You're not nervous? No, not yeah. at all. Because your favourite daughter is the one here, right? We only have one daughter. <laughs> but your favourite daughter. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, so. Anywho, anywho, before you get started and sharing your story, I'm going to ask you a random question. You ready? Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so what is one thing that you wanted to do in your 20s that you haven't done yet? Travel the world. Okay, but you've traveled nearly all the world. Mm. All the continents. But I wanted to do that in my 20s. Okay, you wanted to travel the whole world in your 20s. Mm. Okay, I'll, I'll take that on for you. So please, guys, if you're listening to this, fund my trip so that... I can make my dad's dreams come true. One more by you. Well, I thought in my 20s, I thought I was going to have maybe four children or more. <laughs> and I ended up having two. So <laughs> I guess I didn't have as many children as. But the thing I, is, you had I, two of the best. That's it. I'm good. You know I mean? I'm so good with it. Quality. Said, quality is better than quantity. <laughs> absolutely. <at this> point. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Two. But, yeah. How many did you want that? No, no, in no. She 20s. said she said she wanted to have in her twenties. Yeah, in, in your twenties, we goodness, used to think man. two boys, two girls. Well, easy. I'm, I'm okay with two. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with two as well. <laughs> now you have no choice. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So two of the best kids and travel the world. Whenever you're ready, tell the people about your journeys with Christ. Who's going to go first? I think the man first. I thought it was ladies first. Exactly, yeah, I know, but, but I'm happy to okay, go. Okay, okay, Dad, okay. Well, my original name is <laughs> Tile, and uh, I assumed, and I like the name Glenn, which I embraced um, years later on, but I was born into a Christian home. My parents would take us to church at the very early stage. I was born in Ibadan, mm-hmm. in Oyo State in Nigeria. I uh, schooled in Lagos. I grew up in a very stable home. Uh, One out of five children. Uh, I was a third born. And I enjoyed very strong family values growing up. But I was a very young rascal. (laughs) I, uh, I did things. I was very prolific when it comes to trouble and throwing stones. But then I also was a very soft-hearted person. Uh, Growing up in that home, I uh, had a good relationship with my older siblings. And I remember when my sister and my brother went to boarding school, I was the only one left at home. And I remember that I would travel, uh, although as a young 10-year-old, less than 10-year-old, all by myself from uh, Marina in Lagos down to Surulere Aguda all by myself in the old LMTS buses. What are those? Uh, <laughs> those were similar to the double-decker buses that you have in England. Okay. And I started feeling the hard, 
hardship of life. You know, my my dad didn't have much time for us again because uh, the two older ones are now in secondary school. I I went to uh, a school called Government College of Joe. I was one of the first sets there. And uh, I didn't do very well because the first year when I went there, I thought it was playtime. I was in boarding <laughs> school. I, I didn't have any parents around me. So I had to be, so it was suggested that I repeated the first year to gain a solid education background. So I repeated the first year, but then I, because I knew everything. So I pretended as though I was part of the, uh, the first set. But having said that, I wrote my WIAC. And again, uh, that wasn't very, very good. I had to redo it. And uh, then I went to another school in uh, Ogun State, Odobulu Grammar School. Again, my, my reckless journey continued. I was, I was a star boy. And, uh, but by the time I merged my two YX together, it qualified me enough to go to the Polytechnic of Ibadan to study uh, banking and finance. And so that's where I did my banking and finance. And there, I remember, I must have been about 19 years old at that time, because uh, I know that because by the time I was 21, I met my wife, um, mm-hmm. Kemi. I remember she celebrated my 21st birthday organizing and celebrating it with me. I, the way I met her was absolutely, uh, must have been divine. But that time, I'm just thinking, hey, star boy, you're doing your beat. And when I met her, almost straight away, I knew that she would be the one I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. And that's at about 20 years old, 21 years old. And so by the time we finished there, we started dating. We had a relationship going. And... Um, I recall people mocking around and saying that we are the couple of the year. Whilst in uh, in, in Polytechnic, I joined a club by the name of Palm Wine Drinkers Club. <laughs> and um, I was not expecting that. I don't know why. <laughs> and uh, the reason why I joined that club was before I met Kemi, was there was a girl that was in the Palm Wine Drinkers Club that uh, everybody wanted to date, and I. And I, I had to join that club just to prove to the other guys that I could date. I eventually dated her, uh, but it wasn't what I wanted. She was actually the one that recommended that I should look elsewhere. And she recommended I should look at a girl by the name of Kemi Agbaje. <laughs> and so, um, so I got interested in who Kemi Agbaje was. And when I found out uh, that it's the same Kemi and she was the prettiest girl in the whole school, so I went for that, and she, I can't say joyfully accepted me, but I'm glad that she did because I had little options left. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting. Interesting. Mom, you were the prettiest girl in the whole school. Duh. I mean, same as me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Barely. Yeah, what about you, Mom? What was your growing up like? Yeah, um, um, I was born in Baden as well. So at least that's, that's something. We were both born in the same place. But I grew up in a Muslim home, seventh of 13 of us. Mm-hmm. So um, pretty much a large family, very interesting family, so much love, so much fun. We had, you know, fantastic upbringing. My dad was a police officer, and so we were pretty much comfortable. And so we didn't really have to do public transport anywhere 
you Why know, are you we're, shade at that? We're, yeah, <laughs> we're, you know, comfortable. And so, yes, I went to my primary school in Ibadan, my secondary school. I went to St. Teresa's College in Ibadan. And then I did my A-levels at Polytechnic Ibadan, which was where I met my husband now. Um, yes, I was the prettiest girl on campus, as he said. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> I don't sure. know. Yeah. I, I don't know. No, that's true. Yeah, but, you know, I was in an extrovert group and everyone tend to notice us, my friend and I. So, And we met. It was coincidence. It was random. But then I went further to do my university in Ibadan as well. Um, and at that time, he had moved to Lagos and... It was, it was, we were young, it was subtle relationship, but somewhere at the back of our minds, it was almost like it was a deep committed relationship. We sort of both knew that this is really what we wanted, you know, when the time would come, we'll get married. He moved to the UK to continue his education, um, whilst I went to university to pursue across in the University of Ibadan. We were we must have been apart for how many years? About four years? Yeah, about four years. And so uh, uh, I came to the UK in, in 1985, 86. And uh, being apart, we, I started developing the Western mindset, the Western orientation, the approach. And, um, and so around 1988, she came over to the UK to on holiday. Is that right? Was it eighty eight or eighty nine? Oh, about that, about that. And uh, at that time, I used to party a lot, and uh, I had new friends in England, and uh, basically just party, clubbing and party, but not wild. I wasn't that wild. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that one uh, was he wild. I would know. I was okay. I was partying as but well. But you didn't make was, me being wild. Though. I was in I was in university, you were on the so streets. We were, no, I wasn't. I was never on the streets. I was in university, so obviously there were parties in uni, mm. you know, and so we had um, just the regular uni kids, you know, partying and having a good time, just being um, young adults, you know, and then um, I finished uni and we decided that we were going to get married. And so... Oh, no, you came over to to check me out to see whether I had my brains in place. And I, I did have my brains in place. Oh, thank God. For and, that. and so we decided that we we're going to get married. And so, but that required me to come over to Nigeria, uh, a place that I really didn't want to go back to, but because of the love I have for her, I took all the risks involved and I came to Nigeria and uh, I think it was on the 4th of May 1990 mm-hmm. uh, we got married uh, in the Muslim way we, we, we had um, we had um, an, engagement. an engagement and then we had Muslim prayers uh, yes a Nikai is called yeah and then we both came back to the UK and after that we had a church wedding a year um, after a year after and at that time, we were going to an evangelical church in Canning Town, London. Lovely church, lovely people, um, but it was just not enough. It was just basic Sunday morning church service. It wasn't enough to change our behavior. <laughs> we were not saved. 
we, we, I never heard anything about being born again. And so we still, within a one-year period of our being married, we started having matrimonial conflicts and issues. And I would say part of that conflict was what drove us to be hungry for God. And uh, we became very hungry. We needed to have a meaning to life, to our marriage. We loved each other. But we simply did not know how to express it accordingly. Yeah, so at that time, we had loads of friends. They kept inviting us to one church over another. They come to visit our church, and we would visit. And it was like, nah, not really. Oh, no. And eventually, um, a young lady invited my husband to church. It was a concert on a Saturday. And I'd gone visiting with some friends, and he went to the concert. And I went out. I came back in the evening, and I met a some strangers in my house and they were like, oh, oh, he got saved. Glenn got saved. And I'm like, he got saved. What does that mean? You know, and they're like, oh, you know. And so they invited us to church the next day. So next day was Sunday, Sunday evening. We went to church. I got saved on the Sunday evening and our lives never was the same after that. Um, by Wednesday, we were already planning how do we go back to church. We need to make midweek service. We need to. And by the next week, we were there Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. And it just looked like this is what we've been looking for all our lives, you know. Yeah, we had messages that uh, completely uh, challenged our, our thinking, uh, recalibrated our minds. And it was hard because um, some of those messages was, changing my views about marriage, about people, about wife, about relationship. And I remember hearing messages and I would scribble down things on a piece of paper and pass it to my wife. I say, that, that's for you. You need to change that area. And she would do likewise. And, uh, and so, but we were growing. Things were happening. But then still, we would be married about two years. We didn't have any children. And so, uh, but, you know, we were not under any pressure at that time. But we kept on just serving God, and and um, and so the years mounted up, and you know the first year, second year, fourth year, no child, and so yes, we were not under family pressure because we were living in the UK, but it was like okay, when would we have a child? So yes, there was internal struggles. There was what's going on? Where did we go wrong? You know, and so. We just continue like that, trusting God and just believing God for a miracle for a child. And only after our sixth year of marriage, I conceived by just miracle, you. Yeah, the best. Good <laughs> the things best. come to those who wait. And that's, that's, all I can say. and that's why you have such a powerful name, Ebuife. And obviously that's the gift of love. The gift of God's love. That's where that name came from. That was our covenant with God. God, you bless us with a child and we will do your work. Yeah. And so he did. And uh, that was 25 years ago. And uh, we've been married now for 32 years. And just May, on the 4th of May this year, with 32 years uh, it still feels like I'm discovering. I'm, there's so much inside of her that I do appreciate <laughs> and I'm yet to know. 
but I'm talking good things, okay. it gets better. Mm. That's interesting. So you mentioned that in the first year, like that was hard. Would you say that was the hardest year for you both? Yes, it was the hardest. The first six months was sweet because uh, we just came back from Nigeria. <laughs> it was and honeymoon. It was honeymoon <laughs> parties and everything, uh-huh. and meeting new friends. And then, uh, then the pressure started mounting. Mm-hmm. So what were the biggest things that you'd be like, oh my days, like this is just hard? Cult- culture shock. I came from a home that I'd never paid a bill before. And so okay. I'll be on the phone trying to catch up with my dad or my friends. And then, as you know, UK is about bills and bills. Mm-hmm. And so the first things, oh, the phone bill comes. It's like, oh, babes, you know, look at, you know, you know, so much money and I'm like, yeah, you what? Like <laughs> exactly. I was like, yeah, what? Yeah. So A the practical cu- man. The, yeah. The culture, sh- <laughs> the culture shock, you know. Um, and so there was a lot that needed adjustment on my part. And so, and yes, the pressures just started to mount up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what about you, Dad? Well, I think one of the things that I discovered was... Um, I had grown up here a little bit, and so where a lot of my friends listened more to me and they respond to whatever I said. And so Kat comes along and she will challenge some of those things because she's enlightened, she's uh, educated, she's, um, uh, she has uh, much uh, insight. And I didn't like that. I wanted her to just be a yes woman. Mm. And so uh, I didn't get that from her. And I felt that was an affront. Mm-hmm. I felt that was against me. And so I had to fight uh, to, to gain uh, what I call marital supremacy. Huh. And I wasn't getting that. <laughs> Instead, I was, getting, <laughs> I was getting marital challenges. And so that mounted up to... And I, and I thank God for that because it was during those difficult times that we started questioning our our lives and started and it drove us to find Christ mm-hmm. uh, those challenges was what you know and it drove us to seek for for help somewhere and I knew that it wasn't going to come from man I didn't I didn't know anything much about salvation and being born again but I thank God that those conflicts were there mm-hmm. yeah that's that's beautiful are you gonna say something yeah I was just gonna say I mean the good part of it is even when we were we had conflict and when we were trying to uh, like understand each other and establish a relationship, um, the option of out was not in our dictionary. Mm-hmm. It was like both of us were ready to work at it to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was no, neither of us was like, oh, I'm out of here. I've had enough now, da, da, you know. Um, we sort of, always found a way to resolve whatever the conflict would be, no matter how cold it was. And and I think that's what's helped us over the years to overcome those years. And um, obviously after you, um, your brother came, which was like an icing on the cake. And that was much later on. That was just a couple of years. Yes, after after we'd, yes, um, moved back to Nigeria as missionaries. So, on the 22nd Seven. of February, mm-hmm. 1997, mm. with a six-month-old baby girl. The cutest ever. The cutest ever. Yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> like mother and child, you know, we, we flew out of England. 
to go to Nigeria to do the will of God. Mm. And uh, that's, again, like I said, that's 25 years ago. And uh, it was there that two years afterwards, or a year and a half afterwards, that um, mommy fell pregnant. Yeah, another miracle baby was coming. And um, funny, just the same way, you know, um, was miracle, wasn't expected, conceived, had my son, a fertile. And um, my son. Our son. Whoa. Okay. And I don't think you should take that, but okay. <laughs> as long as the name is there, Tayo. Yeah, fair. If Tayo, you know, and so, and that was it. God's been good to us, blessed us, you know, giving us a stable home. Um, I don't know. I don't yeah, know what the, else to say. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> children uh, were yeah. more than an icing on the cake. Uh, yeah. Completely healthy from, yes. from birth. Yes. Trouble-free. Yep. A blessing in school while they were in school. It made us focus more on the things of God without having anxiety. And uh, and so, yeah, they, they've been a blessing to us. Yes. Cool. I feel like you're just saying that because I'm in front of you, but I'll take it. I'm wrong with it. Before we end of this episode, first of all, thank you for sharing your stories. Nothing crazy out there. I was really looking for a serious gist. But like what? Like I don't what? know. I don't know. I like just thought what? this would bring up a story that I've never like, like joining before. the cult or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Drinking no. and drugs. No, we, we no. never did those things. Never no. did drugs. Never no. did drugs. Never, never, never. never was an alcoholic. Did you get, no. ever get arrested? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Traffic uh, offenses, isn't it? Yeah, I got, don't speak for him. Yeah, I know she doesn't do everything, does she? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the traffic offense wasn't an arrest. It was, uh, yeah, it was an arrest actually. Oh, yeah, that's I drove on the, uh, parked on the double yellow, ended up in Camberwell Green, and um, uh, stood before the magistrate. Was fined thirty pounds that I couldn't pay at that time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's about it. And then one, nah, you don't want to hear that's this yeah, one. Yeah, we do. This nah, is you don't want to hear I this one. I just knew there was something. There was something. Okay, okay. So at some point I was working um, whilst I was in uni. I was going to school during the daytime and I was working at night. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that I, I, I never drank. I, I'm not, I don't like alcohol. Mm-hmm. But I think I felt that I'm, I, the, the company that I was working for owed me. And so I remember we'd take from the shelf, I would take a bottle of alcohol and put it in the trunk of my car. I had a car at that time. And I think this was about, was it before she, yeah, before you came. That was about, yeah, 1988, nine. And I'll, I'll hide the bottle in my car mm-hmm. and then I'll just go home. Now, it was a regular thing. It wasn't like every day. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, by the time they uh, by the oh, time God. they do stock take, they realize that most of their most expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even steal the small small. No, no, it was it was like whiskey and scotch, uh-huh. and um, and so by the time they realize this thing is missing, but they're not selling it, mm-hmm. uh, they have to. Uh, I didn't even realize they had a CCTV camera there, <laughs> and so the CCTV camera picked me, picking up the bottle <laughs> one day, and then. Sort of followed, and then it ended. I mean, obviously, they called the police, mm-hmm. and then the police um, um, 
said they needed to investigate me. They came to my house and they found all the bottles <laughs> not open. Not one bottle was open, oh, not found it under, underneath the bed. And so they took the, all their, I think it must have been about 12 bottles and they took it away. But the, the company did not press charges. Okay. And they just dismissed it. So it wasn't like a criminal case that I have okay. over my head. I've never seen the four walls of a prison before. Just check it. I don't know. You know, people's <laughs> stories be different. Okay, cool. Well, before we end of this episode, we're going to play a little game. And in this game, it's just, you know, who's the most likely to? All you have to do is, after I ask the question... You say the person who's more likely to do whatever I say. Mm. Okay, so let's assume for today, mom is Kemi, dad is Glenn. Glenn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's the most likely to make a big purchase? Glenn. Glenn. Okay, we have consensus. Who's the most likely to say sorry first? Glenn. Glenn. Okay. <laughs> Who's the most likely to strike up a conversation with a stranger? Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> Who's the most likely to stick up for themselves when they know they are right? Kimmy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Okay. Who's the most likely to give up on the argument? Kimmy. Glenn. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Who's the most likely to bring home a stray animal? Okay, who's the most likely to plan a trip? Glenn. Glenn. Cool. Who's the most likely to skip their morning routine and go right back to sleep? (laughs) Kemi. Big fat Kemi. (laughs) Okay, and the last one, who's the most likely to be late? Glenn. Come <laughs> now. Come on. I would have thought that was you, Mom. Loki. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Kemi, that's why. Okay, cool. That's... So, well, I feel like the listeners have a better sort of understanding of who you are, kind of, who you were and who you are now. Thank you for being on this episode. I know I've dragged you from bed, really. Um, but thank you for sharing your clay stories and thank you to everyone for listening as well. We're proud of you. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a big fan. You know that. So. You're like always Thank the you. first listener. Yes. So, yeah. This is well, I'm going to join. I'm going to join now. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, if you have any questions for my parents or if you have any questions concerning what they've shared, uh, feel free to send a DM to theclay.project on Instagram or an email to theclayproject.pod at gmail.com. Until next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.